Welcome to the Dividend Thought Podcast, episode 107, quarter two, earnings. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. Today, European DJI and I will talk about earnings from companies such as Johnson & Johnson, Snap-on, Verizon and our favorite AT&T. All that and more. See you on the inside. Hey, European DJI, how are you this Friday afternoon? I'm uh, in a really jolly mode. Uh, it's been a great week and I'm really looking forward for today's show. But how about yourself? Good, good. It's been it's been a long week, I have to admit. Um, earnings really starting to get into the flow of it now and I've only started to catch up today, so I'm really excited. The next two or three weeks, I'm going to spend most of this weekend and next week catching up, but it's... Um, Hey, we got some big hitters with results this week. I'm I'm looking forward to digging digging into them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, it's nice to see. And I said I always like it when there are some fireworks in the stock market. Right, uh, makes it a bit uh, exciting because our investing is already boring enough. Our investing style, Bo- boring dividend investors, isn't it? But hey, look, we'll we'll try we'll try add a little bit of fun to it. But hey, from from the news of the week, is there anything? Anything you've seen across across the world? Um, well, not really that much because I've been working uh, a lot. I, I heard that the ECB wants to do something again. I heard that the UK needs to pay more for Brexit. But for me, this is kind of like uh, investing uh, nichts Neues this week. But how about yourself? Yeah, I, I kind of noticed during the week, uh, Walgreens took a... I know I know they've been on a bit of a downward spiral, but there was a small bit of a spike during the week, and it, it turns out that Amazon, as soon as they try to get into a market, I mean, everyone fears they're going to take over, but I think they are looking to buy a company called One Medical. So mm-hmm. they are continuing with their march into the U.S. healthcare market, so to speak. Um, the interesting thing about this company is it's, it's a loss-making company. It doesn't doesn't make a whole pile of money but i mean I suppose investors get spooked don't they by amazon coming in and, and taking over um so it's 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 an i mean it's an interesting one for for amazon uh, how they're going to turn this company around how they're going to penetrate this market and how they're going to compete against companies that are already there but for me uh, it looks like companies such as cvs and walgreens and and to a larger extent teledoc health probably don't have an awful lot to worry about in the in the immediate future yeah yeah i don't really understand honestly uh what it is with american culture that they want all these healthcare and wellness things in shops or something like that remember with um uh was from the book from bad blood terrenos yes that they were with was it with walgreens trying to to make such in yeah. in 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 shop experience or something like that. Yeah. I mean, even the term experience in shop, like, <laughs> why can't people just go to a doctor? Is it like people everything need to do from the parking lot uh, opposite the the Walmart? Is that really it? 
it's it's more of a convenience thing isn't it they want to, it's it i i get it i don't well i don't get it i don't get the, that culture i don't get that side of it if, if i want yeah. to go get a, a blood test i don't yeah. want to walk into a shop i want to go see a doctor i mean that's exactly you want to see a professional right yeah so... I, I want to see someone that's trained i don't want to put my finger into machine by somebody on 10 50 an hour working in, in a shop exactly it's, exactly yeah so, i mean I, I i don't get it but uh, it's it's that part of the world and, and their culture and Amazon are, are trying to to break into yeah. it but I don't think it's easy to just break in and and I mean they're not doing anything disruptive they're buying yeah broken or run down businesses and trying to penetrate that way maybe they're trying to evolve them but there's I don't see a clear plan yeah. or vision on how, how they're going to do that but but I think um I think American companies see a lot of opportunity in the healthcare space, right? Also yeah, what Warren Buffett and Amazon and such try to do with uh, healthcare, right? And healthcare yeah. provider, they 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 canceled this um initiative eventually. And I think just the costs seem to be really high there. And we see that always when we look at the earnings, right? And the earnings numbers, revenue numbers, it's always the US versus the rest of the world, and it's almost equal. So definitely healthcare costs are really high in the United States. So I think they probably see it as a land of opportunity to do something in a different way. Um, but in the end, I think uh, they can try things from left and right, but they should just lower the cost for doctors and medicine because that's insane. Why do you need to be a millionaire as a doctor there? Yeah, I, 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 there's nothing entrepreneurial really in this. It's a, it's a result of education and then hard work. But how many people educate themselves and then go for hard work? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really awkward in society. Uh, yeah. yeah, but, but I mean, on, on the flip side of this, if you were a shareholder and if you're, yeah, as a shareholder, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and if you're, if you're a shareholder and one medical, you're definitely happy. I think they're paying a seventy-six percent premium on on the share price, which is. Um, which is quite quite interesting. So if you if you are unlucky or lucky enough to be a shareholder in one medical, you're making eighty percent on, on your money straight away. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's so, look it's, it's it's a relatively small deal. It's three point nine billion. It's mad to say that's relatively small, but for for yeah. a company like Amazon, it is. Um, so definitely, definitely. But you know, Amazon had, had also invested in uh, Ring, this doorbell at the time, right? From was it yeah. Shark Tank, something like that? Yeah. I mean, this is for me like like the the AirPods, right? The the, the those they turned that really quickly. But I was in a in a revenue generating business, really like a lot. You know, there's a good fit because Amazon for us is still like online shopping and tech yes. really fits with that, right? Yeah. Electronics, so. This is still like, yeah. yeah have, have you have you used have you used or seen anyone with that doorbell ring? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very very good. I mean, we have we have neighbors here, right? And they were in Australia, and somebody actually came up past. It's it's a quite enough area, so yeah. there's not a whole lot goes on. But somebody actually came in and tried to open our doors, and I know I noticed. I noticed something off of my handle that morning, but I, I didn't pay too much attention. Um, he rang me from Australia and sent me video footage of somebody in his garden looking and then came coming down into my garden from a doorbell. Yeah. That was that was just insane. Do you know what I mean? And I could I could get a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this doorbell is actually monitoring and yeah. uh, you can put the you can configure the distance and it and for instance where i was at the other time at the place that when passengers were just walking on the sidewalk passing by 
it uh, it could catch it and then yeah. uh, make a quick recording. I was only thinking about privacy, but they ha they have the sticker on the window that uh, that Ring is monitoring this, and yeah. I think that's why they can get away with it. But it the, the video was really clear, and it, this yeah was, yeah it's high was, resolution. This was in the middle of the night as well, so it, it, like, yeah. I couldn't believe how clear. And how, so I, I think I'm going to buy one. I'm going to be a customer. I think. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at them with Amazon Prime Day last week. Actually, uh, I didn't pull the trigger because my doorbell still works, <laughs> and that's where my frugal savings rate thinking yeah. comes in because it's July and I have my my savings rate target for this month. So awesome. Hey, let's let's kick off earnings week then, and and who better then to start with than Johnson and Johnson, one one of our favorites, and you you know one of our sayings on on the show, and we've said it quarter after quarter is that they're like clockwork. Yeah, and I I know right because we've we've talked we've talked about this, but I know you're starting to to change that that mentality a little bit. Yeah. So first of all, uh, and by the way, really good that you bring this topic up, right? So first of all, they slightly lowered their guidance. I think bottom line that's probably important to know. Uh, the stock didn't really do anything, but let's start talking about clockwork, right? Because I would like our listeners really to realize what I'm reading in the numbers, right? So if we look at it, the sales are up by 3% year over year, right? And so 3%, this is approximately 700 million. If we then look at the, um, I said, the sales of the pharmaceutical, they are up around 900 million. So 900 million, and it's their largest business segment. It brings in approximately half of their revenues. Uh, the other two business segments, consumer health and medtech, medtech are effectively flat or even slightly down. So pharmaceuticals really driving it, the other two business segments not. If you then go to those uh, pharmaceutical segment, they have around 15 uh, segments under pharma, like uh, drugs, let's say, 15 drugs, re relatively well uh, diversified, that are generating the sales. Now. If you look at the total number here, first of all, half of a billion is only because of COVID-19 vaccines and because of international segment, which is Europe, as an example, the Janssen vaccine, because this was already in the numbers last year with the US. So there was not really a, a lot of uh, difference compared to them. Yeah, so if you exclude COVID-19 uh, vaccine results, um, we're talking about a nearly, well, let's say 150 million more. So really relatively little and 300 million more in the US. So we're talking then, yeah, after deducting, let's say 400 million to half a billion from COVID, we have half a billion left. And guess what? Only one product is taking this whole increased revenue on its own shoulder and it's Darzalex. Darzalex is a biologic for the treatment of multiple myeloma. Uh, myeloma. So I believe it is this skin cancer from the sun, I believe. Um, yeah. So what we're talking here about actually, that their entire revenue and profit dependency is on COVID-19, which we know if the Janssen drugs might might have been a bit of a one-off because it's not a, uh, I said our vaccine it's not a popular vaccine and the other one is by one simple uh, one single cancer drug so if we talk about clockwork right what I would like 
people to know is that, okay, the company is really well diversified in the pharma business, but there's only one, comp one, one drug in that pulling it off. And this drug is making 1.9 billion is twice as much as the second best-selling drug. So the dependency on a single drug is only increasing with this growth, which means that for me that the earnings risk is growing. Therefore, I'm afraid that if they they don't uh, have get more strength in their pipeline, that this clockwork might change over the nice next five years. Yeah. So this company is not anymore this company that is firing on all cylinders, growth everywhere. No, it's effectively a flat and a dead business except for one drug and a COVID-19 vaccine windfall. And, and this is for me a bit like in the context of know what you own. For this, you need to read a little bit more into the into the numbers, the financial statement. But I think what 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 is with a company like Johnson Johnson, there's this narrative with everyone like best dividend stock ever. Yes, historical performance, definitely. Uh, you can sleep well at night. Yes, it's diversified well enough that this is a slow compounder. It won't lose suddenly 40% overnight. But if we look at growth and if we look at the future and the predictability, this is changing specifically also with the spin-off of the consumer health. It becomes a biotech company. And with that, you have all the patent risks and you get what you get at a certain moment to a situation where they need to maybe take a lot of debt on to buy another pharmaceutical company. Uh, like like what Apfi has been doing and such. Yeah. So this is the future ahead of them, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, yeah. You, you, like you mentioned, know what you own and and look at the numbers and that and that's fine. But what I really don't, don't really have a good grasp on is how strong their actual pipeline is. What what's the pipeline coming through? I don't get a sense that it is that strong. Um, you know, I don't I don't I'm not an expert in that field or or, or in these markets, yeah. but I don't get the excitement of the buzz I, I don't have a feeling that they have a strong pipeline coming behind and and certainly when you when you flick through the reports and flick through they don't give me that impression either like if if i look at rush for example you always get i mean they're talking about new products new products new products yeah. i'm not getting that sense from from johnson johnson and for me that's quite scary because you have to look forward not look not look back and if you were to look forward yes you look at the numbers but you you got to get a sense of how they're going to grow that i think in the boardroom if you walk in there on a given day i think they're just with their head and their arms on the table sleeping and snoring i mean <laughs> i think this is what johnson johnson is i think the, the people uh uh the, the the management fell themselves asleep i think yeah but I, I mean it's easy to get complacent and, and look it's hard to to keep a, a juggernaut like this keep rolling Do you know yeah. it's hard to keep it rolling so maybe they have taken the foot off the pedal and we, they might need to experience some pain before they make changes and... well you know how they did in the past right with the opioid crisis dark powder i yeah. mean it's not like they have a clean sheet when it comes to business management practices just spin it off baby <laughs> yeah 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 no but you know uh, this is also johnson johnson so yes iconic dividend growth company triple a balance sheet nothing to worry at all there well diversified it will not lose but it is becoming a one-track pony and with that over the next decade we will see increased risk in this company it is not anymore your grandfather's company yeah i i, I mean uh as dividend investors and and certainly in in the community of 
the wider community maybe not so much the european community but definitely the us we have to come away from these dividend aristocrats as being safe predictable companies i think i think we are changing the world is changing uh, the landscape is changing so we need to be aware and we have to try and stay with companies that will evolve with the times rather than yeah. put their heads in the sand so look at the minute there's there's nothing concerning in the numbers it's just it's just a pipeline and where they're growing that that's concerning so maybe three five years from now we might start we might start seeing some some pain but for for the moment i'm still expecting moment, fine. i'm yeah. still expecting the five six percent growth that we've been seeing quarter on quarter yeah definitely i uh, what i would like to say is it doesn't deserve the multiple it it currently has in my opinion i would love to see it more trading at 140 it's probably around 170 so if it's in the 140s consider me a buyer yeah i can't remember the last time it was in 140s back 2020 maybe but yeah hopefully yeah. I, hopefully it'll come back we'll 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 see yeah okay what about your second favorite company <laughs> strap strap on i think you call them at, <laughs> at one point yeah snap on the drillers right <laughs> so look really quickly about this one right it got brought up by a listener uh, one one of the social media followers as well i like it it's kind of black and decker right snap on it provides tools and such for, yeah. for men effectively um and I'm, I'm i'm just impressed with this company the more i i i read about it sales up 5.5.1 percent or 0.1 percent year over year organic sales 8.4 percent because there are currency headwinds in there um i said and then diluted eps of 4.27 right now 13.6 percent up i mean talking about a boring company yeah and, and and really a boring one and also having tools for what is called in dutch a bore um i mean these are stellar growth numbers right and this company has been paying a dividend in uninterrupted i believe since 1939 and, and this is really stellar I, uh, we were we were quick to write this company off remember when it came off first yeah, yeah, yeah very yeah. very quick and and, and yeah. to be fair somebody uh, well i'd say somebody i've had a lot of people reach out to me since and and have said guys you are completely way off the mark you're wrong look into the numbers look into the numbers and i think you were away with tiago when when i eventually did and honestly all the numbers pass pass my criteria and from a metric point of view a hundred percent they should be on my watch list I, I still have yet to dig deep into the business into the business model and can it kind of keep growing at that rate but yeah but but honestly from a numbers point of view i can i can see why everybody likes them their their numbers their growth rates are are impressive their dividend growth rate that free cash flow growth rate and um, very little depth as well so it's it looks like a, a genuine contender for for my portfolio i just need maybe a day or two to to sit down and get through some annual reports before i Pull that yeah. trigger for me it would still need to dip a little bit because i believe the dividend yield is somewhere in the mid uh two percent but you know forward pe of uh, 13 is really not that bad right so there's also a relatively low payout ratio um so yeah i'm really really happy from what i'm seeing and for me it's definitely on my radar this company awesome and any company you would like to talk about how about for instance uh, another pharmaceutical yeah let's talk about i mentioned rush uh rush earlier so let's let's talk about these guys and um, the first thing i want to want to maybe highlight is that they are now changing 
the CEO, the current CEO, Christoph Franz, I think I pronounced that, has decided not to seek re-election from March 2023, um, which is a little bit of a shock, I have to say. He's still, still quite young. Um, but what is interesting is the new CEO coming in. I think his name, and you might be able to pronounce this much, much better than me, but the current CEO of the Diagnostics Division is Thomas Schneinker. Shinika. Okay. Um, which I, I find fascinating because if you look at Russia's two divisions, yeah, they've got the pharmaceutical and the diagnostics, and the pharma division way outseeds the diagnostics in terms of revenue. So it's, it's a much bigger mm. division. But yet they overlook the CEO of the pharmaceutical division to go with, with the diagnostics division. But it, honestly, if you were to look back over the last two or three years, it's easy to see why that, I mean, that, that division has been grown double digits and high double digits 30 40 50 percent over the last three or four years covid 19 has helped helped massively but even look at this this quarter it's grown 50 percent i mean that's that's huge numbers so this guy seems to be well liked um he's pulling really good numbers in the diagnostics division so he seems to be seems to be a good fit for for the company but looking at looking at their actual performance i mean uh, look, it was it was quite a, the pharmaceutical division declined a little bit. They're still saying COVID nineteen has is having an impact, and there's also some biosimilars that's that's impacting their top line. They are uh, drugs like Avastin, Herceptin. But the good news is that fifty. I think the last time it was around 45, 46, but now over fifty percent of new products is accounting of the revenue. So we can see new products are starting to come through. It's starting to build up revenue and. I'm pretty sure that that will return to growth, but it's the it's the story of the diagnostics that's really really impressive. The growth there has been been phenomenal, and they they also actually just added they have also committed as they have last quarter to increasing the dividend in Swiss francs as well, which is pretty good. Yeah, super. Well, I've, in the pre, in the show notes, you put the picture of the pipeline uh, here of the portfolio. Yeah, what's really nice to see is that three products are really declining because of biosimilar impact. Yeah, but then there are like five, six products really with good good sales behind it. So it means like they are getting more diversified and therefore probably lowering individual drug patent cliff risk, right? In the future, decades yeah. from now, let's say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they, they were very aware of the risks that they had in terms of the top three or four drugs. And, and now they've brought in, uh, I think I count eight, eight drugs there that are doing really, really well in terms of revenue, have plenty of room to grow. So I have I have no fears for this company over the next, next 10 years. Yeah, super. So maybe then also um, switching a little bit to a little bit up north from Switzerland, let's go to ASML. Uh, many people in our community love ASML and uh, I also did a video on it not too long ago. And ASML's numbers were not so good as expected. Um, and the, it was really, it had to do with the free cash flow numbers. So first of all, that 5.4 billion in sales Remember that number, 5.4 billion, because they gained new orders of 8.4 billion. That 8.4 billion will be, let's say, accounted as revenue, let's say, two, three years from now. So if we have an order rate that is like 40% higher than the revenue coming in on a quarterly basis, 
wow, there's a lot of lot of wealth coming our end, right? Because all these orders need to be, fulf be fulfilled in the in the future. But uh, EPS three and a half, three 3.54, last year 2.52. So it's a really big uh, jump. But you know, the free cash flow is 5.82 versus 8.08. <clears throat> and this is, I think, really important to know because their working capital impacts, what they have been doing. And uh, this will be a story also later with some of the telcos that we are talking about. But there are heavy supply chain issues in this industry. So there's a video about the CEO which is saying like, okay, guys, what we are doing now, we are testing at the customer side. But we can only recognize the revenue after the tests have been completed on the customer side. So in general, this this cost them an additional month, and because of that, you cannot recognize the revenue. You don't get the payments and such, and that's why there is a free cash flow hiccup currently, and inflationary pressure. They have been talking about as well, um, um, and we all know what's happening in the supply chain here. So that's why they have free cash flow issues and this is also why they are lowering the the margin guidance uh for the upcoming quarters because they now need to uh, i said go through this this bulk of of changes that they made in the operational business but this will smooth out smooth out again next year so it's a pain they will take now um that's why it's hampering a little bit at the moment the 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 cash flow but for me I mean, you saw the share price uh, response as well. It's already about 500. It really, yeah. and first of all, it dipped, I think, in the morning and then went up because people started to realize actually that, okay, guys, the management is doing really well here. It's a one-off. Um, lot, lots of stuff coming. For me, just the, the margin, uh, sorry, the net bookings of 8.5 billion blew me away because this is just like 60 percent more than the actual revenue this quarter this just blows me away it's amazing it, it it's crazy and i mean when do you think actually we'll stop seeing supply chain issues on on these reports i i, I have contacts in this industry and i believe that it's not as severe these issues as as what we've been led to believe it was initially but i think it's it's definitely after tapering down um but i'm certainly from next quarter to quarter after not expecting to, to see yeah but when we this. say supply chain issues we're also talking about production capacity mm. look at intel yeah, intel's investing in factories now right um it's not just the chips that they need yes yeah. so and then you have um i said uh, governmental policies kicking in as well so um i don't think it's anymore about the ship blocking the suez canal yeah, jeez, jeez, <laughs> if they're still talking about that ship, I, I give up. Yeah, yeah, but also Shanghai had a lockdown. Yeah. Nothing was happening there. We've seen the pictures about the ships in the harbor there that couldn't leave, right? So I don't know what your contact is saying and then who it is. <laughs> I have a feeling for it. But maybe this person is a certain side of the chip industry where it is just a bit better organized. Yeah, I also wonder the, the the big short Ray Ray Diallo, um short. Oh, he's losing money now, right? Uh, unless uh, he did it, unless he had a short squeeze on ASML. I mean, we don't know what price he got in at, and that's that's yeah. the frustrating thing. I'd love to know what price, but I mean, my first thought, I, I just I just looked, they, they bounced from close to four four fifteen, and they're up past five thirty. So, if I hope he I hope he did it at the top when they were nine fifty. Yeah, I hope he covered it.
Yeah. Well, he has enough money. Maybe he doesn't need it. Okay, so let's stay in technology. I want to talk about a about a shit show called uh, SAP. <laughs> so I saw I, I did an article one time on SAP saying like the perfect company with lock-ins. Yeah, hence revenue is protected and revenue is protected. Um, if we look at it, um, revenue last year or year over year grew with 13%, which is good for a company that is in a transformation of shifting its licenses business into cloud. And it's successful in that. Cloud grew with 34%. It's now 3 billion. It's really, really meaningful. Software licenses is flat with 3.4 billion. Yeah. So that also means that an 800 million additional in cloud didn't really cannibalize their uh, licenses business. Chapeau, yeah. But then I look at sorry, sorry for my words, by the way. I, I look at their sales and marketing, which went up with uh, 500 million sales and marketing. So they, they burned all the cloud income revenue, they burned it on sales and marketing. What do you burn this money on? Is this entertainment? I mean, or, or has that sales and marketing attributed to the extra revenue? Are they, are they bringing in? bringing in more yeah okay but that. if if your revenue costs just as much as your sales and marketing budget then what are we doing here but what they have done is they have from what they said they've increased more of their predictable revenue so the revenue is i think it was 75 76 i hope i hope that this was a one-off in in, in yeah. sales and marketing and that's really recurring after that but i can tell you i'm following this company now for two years and it is every time something. It, it is almost becoming an AT&T story. In this case, the share price responded uh, positive. And, and, you know, SAP has just one luck. Because every, now many people hate the software. And I'm talking about end users, not consultants. Because they are counting themselves rich. Yeah. But they have one, one luck. If you want to migrate away from SAP, you need to be really, really uh doing this well because it might even get your company into bankruptcy issues because if you cannot claim your invoices and get them paid because that's how integrated sap is in in the lifeblood of any company almost where they are so they have such a lock-in that's their savior uh, but come on you know yeah look it, it it remains to be seen i i understand what you're saying but the, the numbers don't look look too bad the, the share price obviously reacted positively we can see that it's offset by sales and marketing. But if if that does increase in the amount of people in, lock them in, and now they have a more predictable, if they get a 5% extra per quarter per year, that's still a lot of money. So they, they, okay. they could make so that back. We, let's check next quarter, the we, sales and marketing. For me to spend 500 million more on that in a single quarter, we are talking about increase of 28%. Yeah. This is really, really. I mean, it gives me a feeling that they've been just having parties, booze, everything there in the in the main office. I mean, this is really a lot of market uh, money. It makes me and cloud it, should be scalable, right? It makes me want to be a, a seller of SAP products. I want to get in on these parties. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. If they say we give you fifty percent bonus of the revenue you generated uh, for the first year, I, I'll apply now.
but I, I agree it's something it's something to monitor for the next quarter maybe the next two quarters and see if if that's a trend if that's happening then then i would say yes they're blowing more money a once off quarter i would not be concerned particularly with the, the increase in revenue increasing customers and having that recurring revenue coming in is, is key it's key to their business model as well so it, it could be quite a shrewd move or as you said they could be partying it and just turn it down turn it down the time well, yeah so we're talking about if these are recurring costs yeah, uh, yeah. fixed cost um you know bottom line they they, they decreased uh profit by 32 percent yeah hardly any free cash flow so you know we're not really talking here about the most profitable business from that point of view at this moment in time yeah. and the fact that the price went up yeah i understand the price was trading about 100 euros for a long time and uh in the, in the in the 80s it is if you look at second the metrics it is fairly valued probably so and then for a cloud business yeah i can imagine that it that it goes up a little bit because it was already really under pressure f until now yeah yeah uh, but i'm I, staying away from this company at the moment i had it for a year i threw it out of my portfolio again after i really understood what i'm having yeah i i i no real interest in this company and definitely at this price uh, i don't think they're attractively valued at all at this price so i would i would stay away but i'm I'm still not quick to um to dismiss their sales market it might be it might be a good tactic long term but we'll we'll, we'll keep it we'll yeah, keep an you're, eye out. You're, i hope you're right and there's nothing wrong with investing for the future so you met you mentioned halfway through uh we're talking about a shit show and you talked about AT&T so I think it's a good a good introduction into talking about these guys I, I know you had a, vis, a video out you were laser quick on that I mean I think the earnings results just dropped and and it's like you had that that pre-recorded it was super quick but I have to say from, from the most part I agreed with with everything you had said it's hard not to I suppose when you look at the numbers but what's really really puzzling is you operationally the business is growing I mean, they've they're yeah. growing subscribers. The revenue is growing. Their broadband subscribers are growing. Wireless net ads are growing. So, from an operational point of view, they are they seem to be doing the right things. They are they are growing the business. Actually, they have done really well. Yes, enough, right. Compared I, to what we are used from them. I, I I like if you were to just take it at face value, I think it's pretty pretty impressive what what they have done. But it's obviously they got hammered in price, and we know that's because they lowered their guidance in free cash flow and even though they've lowered that guidance it still seems unattainable that they're going to make an extra 10 billion over the next two quarters considering they've only made four maybe just under five billion in the in the first in the first two and that's where the problem comes in with this company it's is the ceo telling the slides does he actually think we're going to make this up i mean i'd rather just be honest now and say look we're not going to do this we're going to cut this cut this in half and they want to do 20 billion next year yeah well, i mean that's point that's point the sky there's no way they're going to do that i mean the aim maybe 14 for next year is probably more reasonable the, the problem here is and you covered it quite well is that their dividend is not covered and we've already taken a dividend cut with the, with the spin-off um so it's still a high yielding company but the dividend doesn't look safe at the moment we don't know what the board are thinking here they, they i mean their dividend aristocrat status is gone so they don't even have to protect that anymore yeah. so i mean they might 
they might cut that. I, I can see that. I can see that. Ah, come on. It, it makes sense. It actually makes sense for yeah. them to cut them looking at the numbers. It makes sense. I would rather them tell me straight to my face, we are struggling. We overprojected. It's not going the way we planned. We are struggling. Costs are going up. Working capital is going up. We don't have the money to cover this dividend. We're cutting, <laughs> we're cutting that dividend, and our free cash flow forecast is going to be $10 billion. And that would yeah. be realistic to me. Yeah, but this is this this CEO. It's it's really a problem of the CEO because also if you look at the free cash flow, why is it uh, so down? Because they brought investments forward. Also, again, business wise, really good. If you're rolling out fiber and five G, and you can do it, I don't know, twice as quick in a year, do it. Burn the money if you need to yeah. burn it anyway. Yeah, you're anyway taking the debt and such, or you take it forward. The thing is, he's just all the time uh over promising and under delivering and the last time i would like to remind you that he told us literally like one or two weeks before the dividend cut that the dividend is safe he told us yeah and and for me i mean he's a how do you call that a pathological liar i mean yeah, yeah. did you did you catch him ever on speaking the truth almost when it comes to the numbers i mean i mean what what annoyed me and and I said it to you off air and I, we were flicking through I was going through ATT or going through other companies but I was looking at the free cash flow and I said looking at the high level numbers there's not a lot of difference in in this year and last year yes we we've had the spin off so there's mm -hmm. going to be a small impact but there's nothing blaringly obvious to me why it was so different to you but you have to dig and dig and dig and dig it's it's like they're hiding the numbers they're not being transparent enough for me and that's a that's a huge huge problem for me um so it's it's i i agree the ceo look he he he's just not good enough for me he has to go he, I'd, I'd rather someone be straight tell the truth yes the share price might get hurt but i would much rather be investing in a company i can trust than than not trust so it's it's given me a, a big decision i i've still held them shares i still hold them shares do i sell them now at a huge loss or, or do i do i wait dividend is still still high enough for me that's all it is for me now it's just maybe it's just, just covered call selling yeah cover cover call selling is probably no i do to be fair i, I do that i do cover calls quite yeah. a bit so it's, and they um, never get called no they never get called <laughs> you, how, how, how can they get called when the share price keeps going down <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, I know. We all have we all have such a stock in our portfolio, minus Alibaba. So yeah. don't worry. But I mean, it's it's relatively small position. Yeah. I mean, so it's 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 okay. It's not like it's it's burning my life savings away. And and holding for the dividend is is fine. But I certainly won't be adding more shares. And and I'm certainly not happy with how this how this company is being run. Yeah, from, and from and top. you know, Buffett always said it right. You're your business model or your 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 company should be that strong that any idiot can run it because one day someone will yes yeah, an idiot now we have this guy now for how many years three years yeah before it we had was it bob swan bob swan was, was intel intel who was it before him again boy i'd have to look uh, that up yeah also a guy that we were happy to see going yeah but i mean this company has now been run by idiots for the last five six years and when i say idiot it's probably not the nicest word to say <laughs> but what i really try to say is people with a big dick because they got this like we need to buy these uh, we, we will be a media business yeah. yeah we will be this we will be that and then massive debt and then they need to 
offloaded again with DirecTV. Yeah, but the bet the debt state on the balance sheet, right? Then a spin-off as well. And now we are like after this whole like boom and bust cycle in their ego and their acquisitions, we're left still with dividends that are not covered. Yeah. Yeah, and we got a dividend cut in the in the same time at the same time. And, and, we, and we talk about the, the caliber of CEO that, that they attract. And just thinking about the business and the business model, I'm, I'm not surprised. Right? If, if you're an up-and-coming CEO and, and you have ambitions, why in God's name would you go to a company like AT&T? They are loaded with debt up to their eyeballs that, that they can hardly pay. The growth is limited and capped. The, the amount of CapEx that they have to spit out is enormous. Why? Why would you put yourself into that situation? Go, go. You could go to a, a much better so company, making a name for yourself. AT&T got the CEO it deserves. Exactly. That's. that's... But then it also got the investors it deserves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take. I'll take it. I'll take that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's go to Verizon. There. Uh, same story. Also hammered today, seven percent down. Um, declining earnings, one thirty-one. This time, one thirty-nine. Last last time, if you exclude the uh, special items, otherwise it's one twenty-four versus one forty. So we're talking there about a fifteen percent decline. Um, again, relatively okay. Some net additions in the broadband wi wireless service. Um, I said uh, grew 9.1% year over year. So from that point of view, it's looking relatively good. But then the outlook is uh, a downgrade from them, right? They expect now instead of earning $5.40 or $0.50, $5.10 to $0.20. So a uh, similar story with Horizon, just way more stable management, I would say. Uh, free cash flow is uh, still covering the dividends, so it looks all a little bit better at Verizon. Um, if I would need to choose any of those, I would really, I would really choose for the stability of Verizon. Yeah, we can we can really see the difference in in management. Yeah, I mean, again, operationally looks absolutely fine. I'm not surprised that they're lowering forecasts mm -hmm. I mean, like with the, with the half year that we've had so far inflation been so high costs have yeah. gone up i'm not i'm not overly surprised at that i suppose the one big difference with verizon is that their dividend is covered and that's yeah that's that's a huge thing their management have have got this down to a t arguably they're not as big as companies at and t mm -hmm. but they're much better managed and that's exactly that's, that's key yeah Okay, and, and the last company I, I started to look into was Philip Morrison. <laughs> Honestly, I got so annoyed. I, I I was ranting off air. I got through forty pages of their of their presentation. I didn't see one number. Everything was like percentages. I don't care about percentages. I want to see hard numbers. Could not even find a cash flow statement or, or anything. So I, I I really honestly I gave up in the end. I looked for their eight K on on the SEC, and it, it wasn't it wasn't there yet. Um, Looks like from from the percentages, it, it looks like they, they did okay. Um, but they talked a lot about pro forma adjusted revenues and net income. I mean, what what <laughs> what, what is that? I mean, it just got me so right up in the night. I, I don't care. I don't care about these. I just want real numbers. Give me the reported numbers. Uh, I don't mind. Look, I don't mind adjusted numbers when it's currency because that's fair, right? Because they they have no control over currency. 
but I hate when they start throwing in pro forma adjusted and taking out all these events. No, just just give me the proper numbers and I can I can pro I can forma, assess you. Adjust it and deload it. What what <laughs> what what does that even mean? I mean, uh, look, I'm sure Dividend Wave is is much more informed than this company and and in in this industry than me. He'll probably ping me with some facts and tell me how actually great they did. And it seems from the percentages, it looks it looks okay, but I just couldn't really i couldn't really piece together yeah and you're an investor me. right so no not uh, you not, not for the no most. but what i mean like you're looking at it as an investor yes so you yeah. would expect that they write this stuff for you exactly yeah. I, I i mean there's so many companies there that you you like i looked at johnson johnson and within 10 minutes i knew what i was looking at i, I mean even AT&T, I learned more about them in, in 10 minutes than I did with Philip Morrison. That's saying something because AT&T, yeah. yeah, I yeah, still yeah, exactly. have to take. Um, exactly. And yeah, yeah, rant over. Okay. Well, not worth the uh, energy further. Let's go to the listeners' questions. Okay. Yeah. So Boris Bulajic is asking what we think about Fiatris at $9.68 and a yield of almost 5%. I mean, I bought these guys at uh 13 i bought them again at 11 after they had announced that they're spinning off their company and and for me nothing has changed in that time i know they have earnings coming out on in august and we'll see if anything has changed but i really like them at, at these we were talking off air about uh, put options which give you attractive income i i can't recommend anyone to do that because it's, it's risky but i mean to me at a five percent yield it's almost a no-brainer with these guys yeah yeah and, and also the dividend is safe a really low pe ratio i mean this company is really in the corner where it's gonna beaten up by wall street but for me i'll take it i'll take it i i don't think it has to do a lot to to jump 30 40 percent honestly i i think yeah. it's just one good press conference away from from jumping i think it wants to jump because you can see it dipping below yeah. 10 and it shoots back yeah. up it, it's it's like it, it has its bottom but for me, nothing has changed. I'll, I'll give you a better answer maybe on, on the 8th, 9th of August when, when they released their earnings. Yeah. Super. Then Alex, uh, who was also on the podcast here, is asking about our thoughts about Defama as an investment. Would we like to add it to our portfolios? So so last week we had the, the CEO on, and I have to yeah. say he was he was fantastic. And, and what, I, what I liked about him is he was honest, upfront frank pretty pretty german i would say that they normally are but he didn't shy away from any question that we asked either on air or off air he was quite honest and what i did like was he did highlight the risks he he, he didn't he did try paint the company up a little bit let's be honest that's that's his job he's not going to go in there and say uh, really really beat down the company but he did not hide away from the risks and i, I like that honestly uh, it's it's a market that i'm not a hundred percent involved in that i am not up to date but he he gave us a clear picture of their vision what they plan to do how they make money and i was quite interested i am going to add shares i think i have an order in for 22 or 23 uh, about 50 shares just just as a starter yeah. position i want to keep following these guys um keep up to date and and, and see and i mean if if his business model pays it plays out then then I'm happy, and and as he said, in this type of environment, these guys are going to thrive, aren't they? So it's probably yeah. probably a bad time to start buying them, actually, because their price is going to be too high. 
Yeah, so uh, for me the same. I have a purchase order outstanding for 50 shares for 24 euros. Didn't hit yet. I'm patient. I'm not in a hurry. Um, uh, I, I just, yeah, plus one to everything you said. Yeah, said, look, we, we, we're talking about CEOs and we're, we're giving out about uh, stinky up above. So we have to give someone credit when they come on and, and be honest and, and they they don't hide exactly. our numbers. And, and even though they are, their investor reports are not, not in English, really, you can go on and just look at the numbers and yeah. I'm clear from the numbers without even without even knowing German too well, I'm clear from the numbers what that company is doing and as you said he's been on both sides as an investor and now as as the ceo of a company and he does seem to have the investors interests at heart as well and look he, he he's a huge he's, investor in that company he, as well yeah so. he's the founder and the main investor 26 percent. Yeah. i was already thinking like you can just calculate what his dividends are on an annual basis and probably this is just his income to live from so i think really our our incentives are really well aligned because if he increases the dividend, he's giving himself a dividend hike. Yeah. yeah he gives himself a or a salary hike. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, Han Van Dyke, I, I hope you're related to Virgil Van Dyke, actually. <laughs> I, meant to say, I meant to say that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But he has asked us what our opinion on Mandela's is. Obviously, we talk about Nestle, Unilever, Danone. Um, but never really heard a talk about Mondelez. I actually like Mondelez. Uh, unlike Unilever, the company has grown its uh, share price of, uh, with 40% over the last five years. Not too bad for a consumer staple like that. Um, it has indeed a really nice portfolio. It's last, let's say, one and a half year, it has been a bit dead money. And I don't see this changing because it's trading at a 21 PE. I think it's too pricey for me. If if it would come down to, let's say, poof, uh, low 50s, I might consider it. But until that time, not. I mean, you get it at a dividend yield now of 2.3%. It's also below my uh, screener criteria. Payout ratio of 46%. So look on it's actually quite simple for me if this would be trading at a three percent yield i might consider it for the quality of the business you're right i think it's actually better managed at the moment than unilever so yeah those are my thoughts about mondellas yeah we we had somebody was it eli snowball we had somebody talk about them recently on our, on our shows that i mean they are a quality company they're in the same league in terms of brand power with, with the companies we, we've named like Unilever and so on. So they, they are top quality. I don't think they're a bad long-term investment either. I know that they're slightly overvalued and slightly priced, but if you're thinking long-term, then it's, it's it's not too much of a problem. So you couldn't go wrong adding these guys to your portfolio. I mean, 10, 20 years, these guys will still be around. Super. Um, Tim has asked us, what is our opinion on the next big global trends in the next... 10 to 20 years and how much do these influence your dividend investing decisions yeah so for me it's uh anything we need to do regarding climate change so the energy transition uh, here i still see uh, asia as really a booming uh, population growth i see also um, the boomers in europe and america as as a trend that you can play on uh, but let's take 
investing aside and i hope that in the next 10 to 20 years we could start thinking really about curing cancer mm. and wh why i'm taking investing aside aside because i don't know if the current pharma companies are the ones that are going to to do this uh, but crispr and the technology not the company but the technology itself i'm i'm really really hopeful for and i i have a feeling that the stars start to align that we can really really get to a situation with cancer that we maybe can get pills or medicines kind of uh, as a prevention and yeah. therefore kill it quickly without surgery and everything and, and just using our uh making biopsies uh checking the dna give a targeted medicine and just kill the tumor straight away but that that's huge technology like ai is going to play a huge part in that I yes mean, definitely it's, it's going to be and, and that's probably one of the ones i was going to say is ai electrification as well is going to be huge over the next 10 or 20 years but how does it influence your your dividend investing decisions that's not not really i do take so for instance I look at companies more what are their tailwinds and with that i have always when i think about that i always have some global trends in in consideration so if i see for instance that an american-based company with majority of revenue there is on a really good track but then doesn't really have yet an overseas business yeah yeah then i see that usually as globalization as a trend but for instance starbucks i see the middle class growth really as a as a as a how i said as bullish for for the company yeah. in in china and in asia yeah because maybe now not everyone can afford a coffee there but 10 years from now it might be different if they really keep their brand power the 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 concerning thing about trends and global trends trends is they can change quickly yes they can change quite quickly and, and you can get caught in in that and i'll just give you an example yeah. on, on twitter 18 months ago you had electric vehicles so we, we know tesla everybody knows tesla and tesla are still riding high but i mean there was other companies that that came from that you had neo for example you had a company ticker symbol uh, ride which is lordstown's motors you had solo uh, electric something or other so you had loads of different companies and the bottom has fallen out of nearly all of them except for tesla tesla's day will come and i have no doubt about that yeah. but a lot of people jumping on trends electric vehicles ev there was blogs there was everything talking just solely about electric vehicles and it changed in an instant so i mean global yeah. trends yes yes it's important but it doesn't influence my de decisions it's something that i look at a company thinking in 10 years do they have the opportunity to to grow and yeah. if if it's involved if there is a global trend that would help that i'm fine with that but it, it certainly doesn't influence me no, but for instance, ASML, the digitalization of everything. Yeah, everything needs a chip. Yeah, uh, that's how I look at it. Yeah, that's how I look at it. But I don't look at it from the side of the trend looking back to the companies. I yes. usually look first at the companies and then the trends. Yeah. Good. Um, then the question from Elo, uh, Elo Huff. Elo. Um, he's asking us about dollar cost averaging and the impact of commissions. He finds himself paying some three to seven euro when buying, let's say, five hundred to thousand euro of stock. Yeah, I mean, look, commissions can't be discounted. It has an effect on your overall returns long, long term. That's quite an amount of money to pay. I'm with 
the euro and I pay 50 cent when I for American stocks for American stocks it's for something for 40 yeah. sometimes for stocks in Europe and sometimes with French stocks it's it's actually more actually pay a French tax so it depends it depends on what what you're paying I would say for a low income account we are putting in a low amount of money I would try keep the commissions to a minimum that's that's and certainly when i was investing first with with the euro i was buying 10 maybe five six seven companies a month and then i realized oh, why would i bother doing that i just buy one company pay 50 cent in commission and, and i'm happy so yeah. I, it, it's something i keep but but three three euro is not it's not bad consider some irish brokers are charging you 25 to 50 euros so it's... yeah i'm i'm not so if it's just a commission to buy shares I find this still reasonable. Let's say seven, seven euro on thousand. We're talking about zero point seven percent. What I want to avoid at all costs is maintenance fees, because those are the ones really long term eating uh, your, uh, I say, impacting your compounding. Because for me, this commission is a one off cost, cost, and you will never need to look at it again if you hold the shares uh, forever. Um, but if you're Let's say doing 500 to 1000, that means you're like doing 6000 to 12,000. I just would go indeed for a, a, a low commission broker like the Hero or Trading 212 or Interactive Brokers. Be because, uh, yeah, it's not worth the high commissions, um, to be honest. I know it's a lot of money for the individual, for Allo in this case. I can yeah. imagine that. Um, but i would yeah specifically in these early days i would really look at still i think he has opportunities to switch broker yeah but 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 those risks i mean the the low yeah. budget the low budget but they don't have the same safety as somebody other that yes that's it. true that's so, that's the risk you take yeah. so so there's risks and and you you gotta weigh it up maybe with the broker you have your yeah. money might be safer up to x amount of money so you yeah. just gotta it's just gotta weigh it up i mean all in all, it's not a huge amount of money if you consider ten years ago or before digitalization. Exactly, we've been paying a lot more than this. So it's, no, it's but the, maintenance fees—that's what I'm really picky on. That's why I went away from Saxo Bank. They, yeah. they, they, they really costed me a lot on an annual basis. I was six, seven hundred euro or something like that uh, annually. I mean, I don't get these maintenance fees for what? Like, what are they doing? They're holding a digital cert field. Like I have no clue what they do with it. I think they pay their staff uh, for it, uh, and 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 you know these old buildings that they are still in. They just have other cost structure, I think, than a company like the Hero. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I have, I really don't like paying maintenance fees either. So I would avoid them at all costs. Yeah. Um, Jeff has said industrials has jumped. Uh, just jumped uh, did we get some Siemens before it did I, I didn't know it jumped I have an order for Siemens at about 90 I think I'm being greedy yeah. let me check my board yes I have an order at 90 so I don't think it hit 90 so it looks like I missed the boat but hey I don't I don't know if they're completely out of the woods yet yeah I, I didn't buy either um, yeah too greedy share price is fickle isn't it it jumps five six percent and you think you've missed the boat but I think one thing I've learned. No, I, I just patience. wait until it comes back. Yeah. yeah. Patience is key. It, it will come back and we'll see. Yeah. Um, Phil has asked us a question. So there are a couple of companies with nice profitability, solid balance sheets. However, has a flat dividend and sales. Would the value investor in you still buy them at a good price? 
Is there anything you'll check in particular? So I really love this question when I saw it coming in because yes, I'm European dividend growth investor, but I'm okay with flat dividends from time to time. I I'm not okay with dividend cuts, but I'm, I'm actually okay with flat dividends. What I want to see is that over time it grows and not, that not my whole portfolio has a flat dividend, but even so, then it's just a preservation still of income. And we see a lot of companies that 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 remain their dividend in Europe flat, right? And there are also actually some American companies. We don't see them in the dividend aristocrat list, but I was the other time checking, I saw a company that had like two or three times a flat dividend that was like in, in 2009, in 2000, and in 2020. So it doesn't make any dividend aristocrat list, but then you look at the compounding annual growth rate, I think it was eight or 9% over that whole period. Yeah. For me, if this is just conservative management with a good track record in history, I'm totally open for having it. And definitely the value investor is uh, in me there. Um, what I don't like, and I believe, isn't it, isn't it GSK who has a flat dividend over the last 10 years or something like that? I think so. Or is it Pfizer? One of the two. I think GSK. I think it's GSK. I think yeah, so GSK, I don't like it because there's no prospect at all of a growing dividend. And and like if it's five to ten years of flat dividend, it's just too too much for me. But if it's five to ten years of flat dividend with flat sales, I mean, there's no growth there. I mean, that's that's concerning for me. Not so much the dividend by itself, but the lack of growth yeah. is 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 what's concerning. It's nice yeah. that its profitability has a solid balance sheet, but if there's no growth, the chances yeah. are they're going to come under pressure to grow and to do that they need debt and and to get themselves into a vicious cycle so it's yeah and i don't i don't remember it 100 but i thought it was the company gsk i will look it up later still yeah yeah but for me i've, I've no issue with a certain portion of companies being flat once there's some sort of growth somewhere i want to see i want to see growth and maybe they're growing and, and buying back shares or something but I, i'd like to see yeah. some sort of growth but yeah, I'm so, looking here. GSK had a flat dividend since, oh wow, since 2013, 2014. Since 2014, a flat dividend, and now a small dividend cut. And I guess that has to do with the spin-off they did of the consumer business. Yeah. I assume, yeah. Okay, um, Mario has asked, Verizon took a big hit, bought 10 more shares, uh, dollar cost averaging in, what are our thoughts? I think we, we spoke about yeah. that. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Much much better than, than AT&T, and uh, look, they've done well operationally, it just remains to be seen how, how much they can they can grow, but at least their dividend is covered. That's the... Um, Gordon has asked us, looking at the top 10 companies by market cap over the last 20 years, one can see a rapidly changing world with few companies still in the top position. Do you ever feel that by picking individual stocks versus index, you might miss the boat on stocks and move on too late from declining ones? It's a good question. Um, well, yes, I, I sometimes feel think about that. This is the question sometimes, right? Can't you put it just better in an ETF? But then if I look at an ETF and I look at the dividend growth track records, mm, no, and, and you pay in an ETF for a lot of companies that are also overvalued. So that's why actually I'm always shying away from ETFs. The question here really is like, am I a good stock picker? Probably not. 
but what i do know is that my stock picking leads to a dividend fits the best with a dividend growth strategy because etfs for me uh, you, you cannot count on dividend growth they just pay out what the dividend companies are paying so you're really dependent on the uh, the i said how the index is composed yeah and and, and if you pay a lot uh, for overvalued companies yeah then then you're still at risk of dividend cuts and such as well at a certain moment in time and we've seen that with most of the european available dividend etfs they almost all of them they have uh, unstable dividend cuts and i think always about it i need to i need to live on these dividends at a certain moment in time yeah. i can't have it that the next quarter they say like ah oh, let's do 15% less because our companies are paying out less so this stock picking just gives me better dividend safety from a personal point of view yeah. and yeah he's he's right companies today won't be the same actually i'm not too invested about it in the top 10 companies from this from now either so i i think i've said it a, a, a few times on the show now that i honestly believe that index investing is probably best for for most retail investors not everybody likes to read 10ks 8ks and i get that but the most the interesting part of this for me was the last part which is about moving on too late from declining ones and in theory in theory we have right we have a strategy and the strategy is we analyze the companies and then we we look for growth and if we see a decline then then we start to sell yeah. and i say okay that's my strategy and then i look at at&t in my portfolio yeah. and i see them but i'm not selling them so it's 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 always a complicated process and and he's right you can move on too late from from one or two yeah i'd be concerned if i was having that conversation about all 24 stocks in, in my portfolio so but maybe not... you will have this conversation over the next 10 years about 16 stocks in your portfolio right and and, and this is real and because from selling is for me 20 times harder than uh buying so this risk is definitely here and specifically for the stocks that are at the bottom half of your portfolio yeah. that you monitor less so you get less less quicker also signals i mean if let's imagine that microsoft will become a declining business now i would be so biased after these years of growth that i will think like ah they will get it back bad yeah. quarter back bad year bad two years before you know it you're 10 years down the road like ibm because you fell in love with the stock yeah. It, it, it's 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 all that is always a tough one and it is a risk it is the risk and that's why etfs are probably better for most but i would be concerned as i said if it does happen 16 of, of my 24 companies i'd be concerned at that point because then there's a clear problem with me as an investor not being able to let go or not doing what's what's right for me i mean you have a strategy for a reason one company two companies i can, I can let slide but if it's if it's a trend in the portfolio then I'd have to look at myself in the mirror and, and give myself an honest honest assessment. Yeah. And then most of the top 10, for instance, probably from uh, 20 years ago, is not necessarily that they declined. They just grew not so quick as, for instance, the winner takes all as Google. Yeah? Yes. So we also should think about that. If you're Some of them have been probably still compounding like Berkshire, maybe with 5 to 10% to per year. But then there comes Google with uh, 30, 40% per year. Yeah? And then the compounding goes a bit quicker, right? yeah yeah that, that, that's true and look who knows 10 20 years i mean it's hard to it's hard to look now and pinpoint who's going to be on top in 10 20 years 
I don't get I don't get myself involved in that because I know mentally that would make me make decisions that are not good for my balance sheet. Probably companies that we don't even know yet today. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and the last question then for the day is from Polkit, and he said, "What's the best way to position size investments when your initial investment is relatively small?" Uh, that depends on your commissions. Yeah, that's what we mentioned uh, earlier. Let's say, uh, so personally, I never like to buy less than thousand euro uh, position size uh, for the commissions as well. But also, I feel then then it's more meaningful in my portfolio. I I really do sometimes like four or five hundred euro. But then it's really that I make a buy to start following the company. Yeah, yeah. it's more kind of like uh, keep the change kind of thinking. If, if it goes bust, then fine. And um, uh, but it's for me really to start following the company. I mean, wh what it depends on here is is your own strategy. I mean, yeah, we have we have a very condensed strategy. We have like twenty four. I think you have forty in the yeah, round. Something like that. Um, so we've got really small portfolios but maybe someone like Div dividend hummingbird or even uh, the dividend growth investor they have hundreds of companies in their portfolio so it, it it obviously depends if you have a concentrated portfolio i would i would make a list of the top companies that you want and i would buy one this month one next month one the month after and 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 in that fashion if you have a more diverse portfolio then i would not bother i would just buy whatever you want uh, one share in each of the companies every month like 10 companies or whatever so it, it really depends on on what your, your strategy is i i think people get to i would say bogged down in, in little details like this i don't i don't think there's a right or wrong answer just just do what you feel is right if you want to invest in two three ten one do it do yeah but commissions anyway. count here right commissions if you, if you let's say have 300 euros to invest on a on a monthly basis or 200 euros yeah if you buy 10 stocks right then you already need to go for fractional shares at zero commission but you also know that there are hidden costs in fractional shares and zero commissions because it's usually the spread that you pay for but still uh i think that that's why i like something like trading 212 as a as a platform because it has fractional shares you can create your own pie it is really easy to invest when you are having small amounts and then you don't need to worry about the position size right yeah cool um thanks a million to everyone for the questions i mean there were some pretty good questions gave us some some good conversations as well so so thank you um and i think that's the the end of the show as well so yeah thanks everybody we hope you enjoyed it uh, our unsalted opinion about uh, AT&T or SAP forgive us for the wording I'll try to beep it out um, by the way guys also just join our Facebook group dividend talk we'll put it in the description of today and see you next week again see you next week and just before we go I just want to say thank you to Tony um, and his girlfriend for designing our new our new banner. I have to say, I oh, it, I guess I think it's awesome. Um, so I just want to I want to call that out. Thanks, thanks a million for that. Um, I know we were a little bit picky sending sending back in size and stuff, but it was much appreciated, and they've done a great job. So ch check out our profile. Check out Tony's. Uh, I think it's Tony One Million. We'll we'll put a link in our description and check him out. So thank you, and we will see you all next week.